Okay, today we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In this section of the letter, Paul turns again and gives the Corinthians some more general encouragement to live and walk faithfully uh, before the Lord. And he encourages them to strive after and to seek to live holy lives in Christ and to be good and faithful disciples. Let me just highlight just a couple of ways that Paul does that here. Uh, and um, I guess the first way I'd, first way I'd put it is, is uh, summarize it as one thought at a time. There's a well-known passage in the early verses of this chapter uh, in which Paul puts the Christian life within the context of spiritual warfare. The Christian life is a, is a battle in a very real sense. There are all kinds of things that fight against our uh, progress in the faith and in holiness. There are uh, temptations all around us and, and within us. Our, our own hearts are often our own worst enemy in our walk with Christ. Um, you see, for example, Romans 7 as, as exemplary of that, uh, Galatians 5, 17. Um, and, 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 and here's an, the other thing. It's a constant battle. Uh, it, it never stops, as the old saying goes. Uh, and Calvin was fond of um, saying things like to this effect, that, that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. I mean, uh, Calvin was fond of saying that the, the human heart and mind um, is, is, a, is a factory of idols. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we fight this? Well, Paul does acknowledge that our goal is, as he puts it in verse 5, to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion uh, raised against the knowledge of God. But he goes further to stress in that verse that we do that by taking every thought captive to obey Christ. That's verse 5. That's a stout statement, and it's akin to the command in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Every thought captive? Every thought without ceasing? You know, sh so should we just write it off as a holy suggestion rather than a command? Because it seems hard. Real, you know, I don't think that's what we should do. The goal really is to is to capture every thought to be obedient to Christ. the The reason for that is is because um, if our thoughts are obedient to Christ, it will be all the more um, probable that it will translate eventually into our actions being obedient to Christ. It's not automatic. How often do we think one thing and do another? But you won't, you won't ever do the right thing without ever thinking about it. And the question is, though, how in the world do we even attempt to take every thought captive? And the key, I think, is to play offense rather than defense. Don't wait for the ungodly thoughts to cross your minds and then try to cut them off at the pass. To the contrary, try and fill your minds with good and godly things so that those things dominate your thoughts and crowd out everything else. And I think this is how Paul himself thought about it. For example, he says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill your mind with God's word. Read your Bibles daily, memorize passages of Scripture. Memorization is especially helpful because it forces you to rehearse the passage over and over again throughout the day so that you commit it to memory. Be faithful and regular in church attendance so that you hear the word preached and taught and you have the fellowship and accountability of other believers. All things like this help you 
throughout the week and each day uh, to, to take every thought captive. Well, the second thing that I would draw your attention to is what um, Paul says in verse 12 about measuring our progress in, uh, in holiness. Um, in verse 12, Paul delivers some uh, stinging words, I'd say, to all of us. He says, not only, uh, he says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Now, let me just say, we are all guilty of that, whether we are conscious of it or not. We naturally compare ourselves to those around us. We rarely raise ourselves higher than those whom we sur- with whom we surround ourselves. And we take comfort in our own spiritual progress when it basically looks like those around us. Paul says, however, that when we do that, we are demonstrating that we're without understanding. It's a stupid thing, in other words, to compare yourself to other people. I don't say that as a, as a blanket statement, meaning you should never compare yourself to another Christian. Even Paul encouraged believers to imitate him uh, as he sought to follow Christ. That was in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. The warning here is against uh, other people being your sole standard of measurement, which unfortunately is the case for many professing believers. A Christian who neglects his own personal uh, Bible reading and study and who is rarely present and engaged in church has no other option than to measure himself with other Christians around him. But if, if you're measuring yourself by someone who is headed to a Christless eternity in hell, then that is the height of foolishness. Better to know the word of God yourself and measure yourself by the commands and precepts you find there and against the holiness of God which you see there. In the end, Jesus is our only righteousness and hope. But even then, it is Jesus who in 1 Peter 2.22 is said to have left us an example that we may follow in his steps. So don't look to me as your sole um, example for anything. Look to Christ and him alone. Those are just a few thoughts from 2 Corinthians chapter 10.